0: Good morning. greet you in the name of Jesus again. It's good to be here with you. I enjoy coming to to BC and uh this morning we're blessed with the snow and the, the beauty that way. It's always changing. We uh appreciate the the opening here uh the devotion that was shared on the crucifixion of Christ and some of the Old Testament looking at the Old Testament there in Isaiah and also the uh the song that was was uh, sung this morning, I think we all know that we come here this morning for a communion service. And um, as we think about communion service and where that comes from, the, the communion of, of Jesus, of his death, his suffering, shedding his blood for us, that traces its roots back to the Passover. And... Uh, I was thinking about that a little bit. I've been thinking about some of these things. Um, how that, if you go back and look at that story again, this this story of the Passover, how this sacrifice and its ritual, go back to that redemption of the redemption God had for his people to come out of Egypt. And um, there are many types for us today in that story. But one of the main things is that God wanted Pharaoh, the tyrant Pharaoh, to let his people go. That was, that was one of the main things he was trying to, there was a reason for it, but that was the first message, is let my people go. And when you look at, when you read the story, you know, Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. He, was, he then flees into the wilderness after killing the Egyptian. Um, Trying to redeem his people by by the power of his own hand without without the, the shedding of innocent blood um, he shed blood but it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't the Passover lamb but uh, then he God appears to him after forty years God appears to him at the burning bush and says I want you to go back and I want to redeem my people and um, I want you to talk to Pharaoh about letting my people go. And there's there's quite a bit of interaction there in that conversation between Moses and God. Moses saying, I don't feel up to it. I don't feel capable. We all know those feelings sometimes. But at the end, Moses agrees to go. And God instructs him specifically uh, what, what to tell Pharaoh. And if you read the story carefully, he tells him to go to Pharaoh and say, in Exodus 4 it says, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay your son, even thy firstborn. So this is an extremely direct message to Pharaoh. It is it is um, very pr- provocative opener to the conversation. There is no there's no. Uh, gentle lead-in into this negotiation. The message is direct, and it is a direct challenge to the ruling structure of Egypt. If you don't let my people go, I'm going to kill your son, which would be the, the heir of, the, of Pharaoh. So what, what it's saying there is this is all or nothing. There's not a lot of niceties. It was just, you let my people go, or I'm going to kill your son. And this, this, this message was not that well received. But uh, <clears throat> we know that after, after warning Pharaoh, after nine chances to do the right thing, uh, they had the Passover feast, the sacrifice, the blood was over the door, and they left Egypt. They were redeemed. But another reason Moses was to tell Pharaoh, to let my people go is because I want them to be able to go out into the wilderness to worship me. And to sacrifice to me, and uh, so that was that. Those were two two of the the, the main things that um, they were they were to do. Um, and I've been I've been thinking about studying the sacrifices a little bit. I, as I understand it, there was five main sacrifices that they were to go do in the wilderness. Now there was quite a few other sacrifices, and but there was five main ones. Now I would like to look at those five main sacrifices. We want to start out by looking at Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to turn to that, we're going to read some there. And then we want to go to um, Leviticus and look at some of these sacrifices. I don't want to take a lot of your time. I don't want to put you to sleep. But I think the sacrifices can be very enlightening to what's happening. And we we can apply some of these things to our time and see what Jesus was doing in the Passover. I had uh, student devotions the other day. I had been thinking about this, but I had a lesson with the children. Well, the word was was uh, the the just the, the, the title of the talk was the word boring. And I talked to them about how sometimes we sit in church and we get bored, or we do our schoolwork and we get bored. And so then I went to the Book of Leviticus and I said, you know, when a preacher preaches from the Book of Leviticus, we can this can get boring. And uh, but one of the things we did is we reenacted. One of the the offerings, and it wasn't one of the five there was these were the five main ones, but the wave offering and I had some of the boys come up moses and and Aaron and his sons, and they had to go barefoot because we had to put a little bit of blood on the it wasn't real blood, but we put they were to put blood on the tip of their right ear, the tip of their right thumb, and on their the big toe of their right foot and uh then they were to hold this offering this meat I'd bought from the, the supermarket, and they were to wave it while Aaron sprinkled blood around the altar, and uh, on on Aaron and his sons. Well, I just say all that to say that this was real. This was very real to the people. And some of these things, and I think we get lost in, in some of the Old Testament types, and I'm no expert on it, but as I studied this, I found it to be a real blessing. Hebrews, you know, when we get to Hebrews, a lot of times we go to the faith chapter, it's about the only thing that seems to really catch our attention sometimes. But Hebrews and Leviticus and some of those those books go together very well, and I hope we can we can see some of that. Now, I would like to read the first twenty-two verses of Hebrews chapter ten, as just a, a, a opening here. So Hebrews ten, verses one through twenty-two. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be an offering, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. So this is speaking back to these five offerings, main offerings they were doing in the wilderness, I believe. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he, saith into, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and in sacrifices for sins thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written, to do thy will, O God. And when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offerings were sin thou wouldest not, neither hadest thou pleasure in that, therein which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified by the offering of the blood of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oftentimes, the same sacrifice which can never take away sins, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. For henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had, he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, now where remission of sin is, What a blessing to be in that state—to have our our hearts clean, our sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water—and this is something we know that Jesus did at at Calvary. We read about that a little bit this morning. But if you want to uh, I, if, to go a little deeper into this, it was a real blessing for me to study. If you want to turn with me to Leviticus, and uh, I'm not going to read. Uh, too much of this, just two or three verses in each instance. But if you open your Bible to Leviticus, chapter 1 has the first main offering. Chapter 2 has the second main offering. Chapter 3 has a third main offering. Chapter 4, the fourth main offering. And then chapter 5, we read about the fifth main uh, sacrifice, I should be saying. It's kind of the same thing, I guess. But um, you see these 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 sacrifices Laid out in the first five books of Leviticus, and I believe that as we look at these i 'm just going to describe just briefly each one kind of the, the the mechanics behind it in the Old Testament, a little bit how Christ fulfilled this, what what he did for us, and um, how what what our part is in this sacrifice we we don't go offer sacrifices, but there are ways we we still live out the ideas that are in these sacrifices, through Christ, of course. And um, then at the end, kind of maybe tie in a little bit how what the Passover did to, to bring that all together. Okay, so in Leviticus chapter 1, we read about the burnt offering. the first one here. I'll just read the first three verses, and it says, "In the Lord called unto Moses, and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt offering of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. So this this offering was called the burnt offering. You've probably heard about the burnt offering. And um, as as you've read there, it was to be an offering. Uh, Some of the main things about it was to be a male without blemish. Um, It was to be uh, offered voluntarily. And it was to be completely consumed. Now some of these sacrifices we see that they actually ate parts of them or part of them were for the people and so on. But this one was to be completely consumed. This sacrifice focuses a little bit on the type of the, the perfection of God, the perfection of, of Jesus. We know that Jesus was um, He was a He was without blemish, he was perfect. Um, and this, this sacrifice could be, it could be of the cattle, if I understand right, it could be um, reading other places, it could be a bull, a lamb, a turtle dove. Or two young uh, pigeons. It 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 kind of depended on your stat how how much money you had or how wealthy you were. But what this what this uh, the the part that's interesting about this is that they this this offering was a type of absolute surrender. So it was a perfect offering. It was a it was a they sprinkled the blood around the altar. And it was to be completely burnt up, but it was a type of being wholly consumed. Um, You read about this different parts in the Bible where it says um, this is to be a, it refers to it as a whole burnt offering, a whole offering. Um, And so this was a type of complete surrender, absolute commitment to God. And of course, before we get to Leviticus, we have some of the stories in the Bible I was thinking about some of the other sacrifices, like Moses did a sacrifice, or Noah did a sacrifice after coming out of the ark. And uh, Abraham did a sacrifice when he offered Isaac. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what kind of offerings those were, but in my mind, the offering of Abraham offering up his son Isaac would have been a type of absolute surrender. Of just holding back nothing before God, willing to do anything. It was a whole burnt offering. And we see types of this in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Mark chapter 12, verse 33, it says this, And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings. And we see that reference there. So to, to give of yourself, to love unconditionally, in complete surrender to God and to the people around you is a type of whole burnt offering. Of course, you can't do that if there's a little bit of selfishness held back. Um, and we know that Jesus fit this description. I mentioned that he was, he was perfect. But when he was in the garden, as he sweat drops of, of blood, what, is it, what did he say there? Something maybe we feel sometimes. But he said, if it be possible, remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will. But thine be done. Now, today as we as Christians, as believers, as we live for live for Christ, He asks us to daily take up our cross and follow Him. Every day, He wants us to offer this willing sacrifice of complete surrender, to not hold anything back. You know, and we, we had instruction class this morning, we talked about um Becoming a part of the, the church. And I enjoyed sitting in on there, not, not teaching and just listening. But, and they said they want to go through the, you know, it's not only to go through the, the doctrines of the Bible, but also the, the understanding of the church. You know, that's just one aspect of the standards of the church, to not hold anything back. I will fit in. I will be part of this. I will do my best to to surrender my will to Christ and his bride and to his church. You know, sometimes pride gets in the way of that. We want to hold something back. That would have been a very grievous sin in the case of a burnt offering for Aaron and his sons to dip in there and take some of that roast beef and, you know, make a made a sandwich out of it. That would have been sin. I don't know what God would have done there. I think we have some examples of them abusing this later, but it was it would have been violating this example. Psalms 51:16, when David sinned, he said this: for, the de- "For thy desires for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not dis- despise." You think back on when you first became a Christian, you first gave your heart to the Lord, maybe the sorrow for sin. That's what David's describing there, and, and David describes that that uh, state, that moment in your life, as complete surrender. You know, it doesn't take very long before we're trying to hold back on God, and um, it's uh, and our hearts get hardened. But that's what this sacrifice was. It was a sacrifice of a broken and a contrite heart that God will not despise. Okay. So that's that's the first one, is is just voluntary surrender. Christ gave himself for us this way. We give ourselves, um, I don't know if I, I think I read this, but Romans 12 verse 1 is a very good one. I'll just read it again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If we go to uh, Leviticus chapter 2, this was called the meal offering. Some people call it... Um, different things, but I think one of the most real common names for it was called the meal offering. We, I'll read the first three verses there. It says, And when, when any will offer a meal offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon, and he shall bring it in Aaron, into Aaron's sons, that the priest, and he shall take throughout of his hand the flour thereof, And of the oil thereof, and of the frankincense thereof, and the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his son's. It is a thing most holy of the offering of the Lord made by fire. So this offering was one of more like flour or bread. Um, they could they could bake bread. I, I don't know exactly what it was. It was a it was a fine flour. It was maybe cakes in a frying pan. You think of like maybe a pizza crust type of cake, something like that. They say um, it was often the crushing of roasted heads or new, new grain, um, and uh, the priest would offer this to God. And but in this case, he was he was. Uh, Allowed to have some of it for himself, then he could he could use some of that cake for his own use. Um, they had some restrictions on it; only the males and the priest family could eat it, and so on. But the point there, it was uh, it was given back to man. Now, this offering was a focus more on God's goodness, just the the goodness of God, what God wanted to do for people. It was a it was a voluntary act of worship. It was something people could come and do voluntarily. It was their uh, their way of sacrificing, their thanksgiving to God. Um, and when you think about it, coming to God with less than a broken heart and trying to worship to Him, they had to come, first of all, with their burnt offerings, be completely surrendered. I don't know if you've ever had to try to give a testimony or try to... Um, have your have have a meaningful time with God with a with a proud heart with sin in your life or with a, um, you know unresolved things in your life they had to first have the burnt offering and then they came to God and they offered this this meal offering and uh the frankincense that was put on there that was put on top of this offering on the bread was a type of prayer and so you see this coming to God in prayer I found it interesting in Psalms there in Psalms 141 it says David wrote Lord I cry unto thee make haste unto me give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice And so this sacrifice this meal offering as Christ was our daily bread you know, we we teach our people. We try to teach the people that are baptized. I know in, in our young people, we emphasize have a time of daily devotion with God. Get before God, pray, and read your Bible. And uh, we know that Jesus said, "Give us this day our daily bread." We 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 pray that in the Lord's prayer sometimes. And you know, sometimes we actually need material things, I suppose. But more important than that is. Jesus as our bread, as the bread of life. We're going to partake of that this, this morning. But Jesus told us He was the bread of life. So this, this offering represented Christ as the bread of life. John, Jesus said in John one, John 6, verse 1, I am the bread of life. And, of course, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24, we know this very well. We, we say it often at communion time. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body. Which is broken for you? This do in remembrance of me. So we have here. uh, If if you noticed in the reading there, a couple of verses, it says that oil and salt were to accompany this meal offering as they ate it. So we already talked about uh, frankincense or, or incense as a as a type of prayer, and then we have oil and salt. What's oil and salt? Well. Often in the Bible, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And of course, it does no good to try to worship God without the Spirit. Jesus told the woman that uh, came, came to him that, uh, you know, they, there's a time coming that they will worship me, will worship me in spirit and in truth. And so this type of oil, this oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. What salt a type of? Or to sprinkle salt on it. Well, Jesus told us, you're the salt of the earth. Well, oftentimes, salt was used as a, as a type of, um, could be used here as a type of purity, as a, as a cleansing agent. You're the purity of the earth. You're, you're what keeps the world uh, preserved. We often, in the old days, they would use salt as a preservative on meat to keep it from spoiling. You're the salt of the earth. And so we see this in this sacrifice, our daily devotions. We get our daily bread. We come in the the spirit. We come in purity. We come in prayer. And uh, that's how we can apply ourselves back to Christ for this sacrifice he did for us. Okay, if we go to chapter 3 there, we have, uh, I'll just read the first three verses. It says, And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace, a peace offering, if he offer it to the herd, Whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand upon the head of his offering, and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And he shall offer of the sacrifice of peace, of the peace offering, an offering made by fire unto the Lord, the fat that covereth the inwards, and all the fat that is upon the inwards. So you can probably pick it up right away in verse 1 that what we have here is, is what was called the peace offering. Now this peace offering, I was really blessed by this because this peace offering was really a focus on God's desire to reach out to sinful man. It was God seeking a way to make peace with us. And we know that there's none righteous, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And sometimes we sense that deeply in our, in, our, in our lives. We sense that as we work with each other. We sense that as we hear about church problems and disagreements. We sense that as we see the world at large and the wars and the suffering, the serious lack of peace. And that is man just running rampant, just, just doing what he does best, just... Uh, uh, killing, hurting, maiming. I was uh, on the way up here. I was listening to a story on on my phone, some of the books my wife gets, and uh, I'd never listened to this one. It was uh, "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee." It's an old book. Probably a lot of you have read that <clears throat> from the from the Native American Indian story in America there, and uh, it was ve- it was very sad. It was quite frankly just. Uh, heart-wrenching, how, how how humans treat each other in conquest. And of course, that that happened long before they came over here, and it's still happening. What is wrong with humanity? Well, this offering of peace, we know that Jesus, when he was born, it says, Glory to God, and the, the angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was and we could go to many many places in the Bible, but in short, his sacrifice on the cross was a means of peace to reconcile God and man, to, to bridge that gap between, between God and man. Um, in Ephesians 2, verse 14, it says, that he is our peace, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. I have here in my notes, I'd like to read just a few more verses from Ephesians. I think I'll just just turn to that. And you can just keep your finger in Leviticus there, but Ephesians 2.14. Yes, just uh, if you listen to some of these verses, that... That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandment contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, So making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. I could go on there, but it's such a blessing to me as I think about the sacrifice of peace, clear back in Leviticus, being fulfilled in Christ. And I, th- I think all of you should know, or ought to know if you don't know, what it's like to be pursued by God. Sometimes we call it a guilty conscience, or we, we call it a you know, being under conviction. But to be pursued by God, you know, sometimes we chafe under that. We feel like uh, you know, we wish God would leave us alone, and sometimes we misinterpret that, and we wish the preachers would leave us alone, and our, our mom and dad would leave us alone. But you know, if our mom and dad and our preachers are, are speaking to us out of God's Word, they are simply instruments. You know, if man rejects the messenger, they have not rejected man, they've rejected God. Uh, the Lord brought that out many times in the Bible. And, uh, so that, that feeling that you feel being pursued by God, pursued by your parents, pursued by your, your preachers, if done correctly, if done with, with the Bible as our guide, is that beautiful presence of God coming after us. And that's, that was really what this sacrifice was, was God coming down to man, God, God trying to make a sacrifice to get us to come towards him. That's the way I understand this, this peace offering that they did in Leviticus in the wilderness was kind of a uh, a, a, a reminder periodically of what, what God was doing to reach out to them. And, you know, as we think about this, I don't know, maybe um, this also could have been a little bit of the type of sacrifice. I'm not sure how, how, how Noah offered his sacrifice at Thanksgiving. That could have been like the meal offering. But um, I find it interesting to think about some of those patriarchs and how they offered, they made sacrifices, and how these might might fit in into this Leviticus account here. But we know that for you and I today, we're so thankful for what Jesus did, but what can we do to make peace? You know, I know sometimes when I, when I was... Growing up, my dad would have birthdays at the same rate the rest of us did, you know, at once a year he'd have a birthday and we'd like, Yeah, you know, my mom and some you know, what what do you want? What do you want for, for your birthday? We all he'd always say all I want is for my children to, to obey, to be good. It's all he ever wanted for his birthday or for anything. That's what he said. He he got more than that, but that's what he said. And I think it was a good point, you know. Obviously I never forgot it. What does God want from us? What does what does the church want from you? What, you know, I stand here with a little more freedom because I'm not a local ministry. But I know from experience, sometimes I feel like, you know, that's all I'd want is just a, just a spirit of peace. Not that there can't be disagreements, but I think we know the difference when carnality gets involved. Somebody's not willing to lay down their own will. You know, I'm not. I'd, I'd leave lots of room. I, I love people. I love personality. And we all have those. We, we can speak up in men's meeting and say our peace. And the other man just sits there and doesn't want to say anything. And I, I find that enjoyable and interesting. But you know when there's carnality involved and a man will not offer the burnt offering anymore, he will not he will not give in. He will not surrender. That is not a man that is... It is following peace with all men and pursuing godliness, like the Bible says, holiness. And I found it interesting what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, first be reconciled, and then go and offer your gift at the altar. And uh, I think we do some of this when we we have our examination meeting. Is our carnality, at peace with with men. this was a little bit what we can do here in this sacrifice of peace. Okay, in chapter 4... Again, I just want to read the first three verses, and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do again any of them, if the priest that is anointed to do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. Now, <clears throat> this is one of the. This was something that was a little bit interesting to me. This is this is called the sin offering, and you can see that in this in this reading. But in this sin offering, of this offering out of the five, this is one. This is the first one that was a sacrifice specifically for sin. Now I don't know about you, but I think growing up. Um, <clears throat> And I think just my, my pre, presupposition about sacrifices is that sacrifices are for sin. Um, you just that's, that's what the Bible is full of. All these sacrifices in the Bible were sacrifices for sin. That's, that's the way our mind naturally goes, and that's right. But it's interesting to think about that out of the five main sacrifices, only two of them were for sin. Only two of them were specifically for sin. The first one here was what they called sins of uh, they were they were um, sins done unintentionally, and the one we want to look at later is sins that were maybe committed purposefully, like um, not keeping your word and, and uh, lying and things like that. But if you think about it that way, the peace offering we just talked about, like a, it was like a fellowship offering, an offering of communion with God. Um, a response out of, out of love for God. Some of these other ones were, were more that way, God reaching to us and us reaching back to God. But what I found interesting is the work that went in the, on God's part to us, if you take these in order anyway, the work that God did to reach out to us before we even get to the sin offerings. How he had to make a way for us to even respond to our sin. That's just a side note. I found that really interesting. I think when we get to the Passover sacrifice, you'll see that as well. So just a little bit about this. <clears throat> this sacrifice, as was mentioned, was uh, in contrast to the others, a sin offering. It, was, it had to do with our cleansing, to cleanse us from our sin. Now this was a mandatory uh, offering, sacrifice, and atonement for specific unintentional sins, but it, it required a confession. And so the one that had done this, when this, I don't, I don't know how, um, how they found out that they had committed a sin, but uh, you know how life is. Someone points something to us, points out something we said or did. Maybe it was unintentional, and we say, Well, you know, I, I'm sorry. We don't get defensive. We don't defend ourselves. We don't. Say it wasn't wrong, but we confess that sin and we, we move forward. <clears throat> and again, this uh this sacrifice was easy to make because there was a lot of a lot of options. And I found this interesting that you could bring a goat, you could bring a bullock, a nice healthy big bullock, you had to bring um or a, a female goat or lamb. For people that were poorer than that, a dove or a pigeon. And for people that were just completely impoverished and didn't have any, any livestock, they could actually bring a little bit, of, <clears throat> a little bit of, of flour, an ephah of fine flour. And so what I, what I find there in this sacrifice system, even though it, it was maybe burdensome from our point of view, God was obviously doing everything he could to make it possible for whosoever will, like anybody that that took a moment to acknowledge that he was not perfect, that he had sinned, that he had committed a trespass against a brother. No matter what his state was in life, his status, how wealthy or poor he was, he could always bring an offering for his sin. And I just found that so beautiful because it fits so well with what Christ did on the cross there. He came for For anyone, rich or poor, could come as long as they were sincere about their their sin. Now, this offering, one of the things that we find out about this offering is that this offering, since it was a sin offering, had to be carried outside of the camp. So they were not allowed to do this inside the, the brazen altar area. And I don't have it clear in my mind exactly where all that was. But they had to carry it outside the camp and then somehow... Of course, you couldn't do this with a handful of flour, but we read about some of the cases where they would put the, there'd be a scapegoat or something like that, and then they would offer one, and they would let one go into the wilderness. And this was a type of releasing the sins. And uh, through all of this, even though it wasn't perfect, and we read about this in Hebrews, and it was kind of burdensome, there was a lot of types there. We know that Christ was taken outside the gate to be sacrificed. He became sin for us, bearing our reproach, the Bible tells us in Hebrews. And so we see these sins, how that, uh, or these types, that I think are so, so interesting when you take time to look at them and think about them. Um, one of the things that did happen through all of this is that God promised forgiveness. Now these could not necessarily, and we we read about some of these, if you read commentaries or read Hebrews, it says that they could not take away sin in the Old Testament. I don't know exactly all the terminology and what all that meant, but if you read some more of Leviticus, it does promise forgiveness. It's like the sin wasn't really taken away until Calvary, where it was taken away as a forward-looking, like a brother talked about the Hebrew tenses, at Calvary, But God did promise when they made these sacrifices, sins would be forgiven. And I just, I think that is a a real blessing that uh, we find that there, that God was willing to do that. Now, as you read Leviticus 4, um, like I I mentioned, if you were to read the whole thing, you will see a lot more of the theme emerge of blood, of atonement, of forgiveness, the, the, the sin, these, these terms come out a lot more. Now our part in all this, and I already mentioned this, but 1 John 1 tells us that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And uh, that is still in effect today that God can will take not only forgive our sins, but take away our sins. The last one we want to look at in Leviticus chapter 5. And uh, I'm just going to drop down to verse 5 and 6. It comes out a little more there. It's some long verses ahead of there. But, well, the first verse there, if a, if a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing, and it goes on there, or if a soul touch any unclean thing, or if he touch the uncleanness of man. Um, in verse 4 then it says, if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath it shall be hid from him when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these, and it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing, and I'll just oh maybe maybe verse six yet, and he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sins, which he hath sinned, a female of the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. Now, there wasn't, as far as I could tell, there wasn't a lot of difference between this sin, the trespass sin, and the sin offering. It was more a sin for, like I said before, for intentional sins. Um, A man that was guilty for violating uh, the sanctity of another person or, or touching something that was unclean, this sin required restitution. And the purpose of this one was, again, to forgive sin and to to bring cleansing to the defilement that was involved there. Now, one of the things that I did find interesting here that I think is a little different is um, in this in this in this uh, trespass offering. Whenever the trespass offering was done, they had to do the burnt offering at the same time. And so let's say you had backslidden, you had fallen into sin, you had purposefully went out and sinned. Well, they had to go out and they had to do the trespass offering. But along with that, they had to do the burnt offering. So they had to rededicate their life. They had to go back to a, a broken and a contrite heart. And that, along with the trespass offering, restored them to God. Now you think about that a little bit, and I'm going to turn to Psalm Night uh, fifty-one. Because we see this in David when he sinned there um, with Bathsheba, he said, "The sacrifices, he said, he said, for thou desirest not sacrifice; else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken." A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And uh so he says there, You will not be you will not be you will not be happy with just a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, which basically is the burnt offering. And when there's that broken and contrite heart that God does not despise, he says in verse 19. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness with burnt offerings and with whole offerings, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. And so we can see clear back there in the Old Testament some of these types. David is saying, You know, you're not going to be pleased if I just give a burnt offering. But then he turns around and says, When I come with a broken and a contrite heart, then and I and I come with this trespass offering then you will be pleased with my repentance. And I just, I just found that very interesting, how, how that worked. Okay, so well that, that wraps up the study on the, the uh, sacrifices there. But as I read of these sacrifices, and you can read Leviticus, Numbers, you can read about a lot of these, but what stood out to me, and I think will stand out to you, is the giant gap between man and God. We touched on that a little bit. It was just massive. And the more you read, the more you understand is just this, is impressed on you the distance between me and God of, of, of myself. And I, I, I feel like that is a, just in and of itself was a real important part of this, this study for me. Man is out of sync with God. Man is not in tune with God. Man is not walking with God. Man is not right with God. Man sins. Man is not right with the Holy God. And man needed God to love him before we could love God back. He loved us when we were dead in in sin. Now, the sacrifices, we read all these sacrifices. In chapter 6 in Leviticus, it says that, um, and I wasn't sure exactly how all these sacrifices worked, but it says that many of these sacrifices, maybe all of these sacrifices were offered daily. There was, if you think about the amount of people and I don't know if, if it was daily for all the people. I'd imagine the fire was there burning daily. There was a sacrifice because with millions of people, there was always a need for a sacrifice. But in Leviticus 6, verse 13, God told Moses that the fire shall burn upon the altar and it shall never go out. And I believe this is a type of Christ as well, that, off, that, that fountain that is free, always open for sin, that we read about in the, in the Old Testament as a prophecy of what Jesus was going to do when he, when he comes to be, to be sacrificed. Okay, so what about the Passover communion? We're going to do this um, communion, which is going back in remembrance of Christ. This is, off you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. And I won't go back through the whole story, but we know, like I said before, that it goes way back to that night of the Passover when they killed the lamb so they could escape Egypt. And... Um, the death of Jesus is that whole calendar worked out. Is that Jesus, as the perfect lamb, was offered on Passover, on the on the day that the Jews were doing their Passover, Jesus was crucified over that same time. So he was he was unbeknownst to them being offered as the the sacrificial lamb or the pas, Passover lamb, and uh, when I think about that, how that Jesus. I know a lot of times we get to communion is when people get nervous. People start looking at their sins. They start looking at their problems. And things get sideways in the brotherhood or sideways in a church. And you know, I know of cases where churches, they just, they just come to a standstill over communion. You know, what about him? And what about them? And what about I don't agree with this? And, and all that. Well, if we think about it this way, and go back to it in our mind, the sacrifice of the Passover, the Passover lamb, was simply God reaching down and redeeming his people. It was pulling his people out of Egypt so that they could sacrifice and serve God. I found it really interesting that in Deuteronomy, I found the, the passage where it told God told them, I want you to now do the Passover. And it was an annual thing, I believe. Not a daily thing, but an annual thing. And the command was, I want everybody to take... They were all commanded to be a partaker of the Passover. Now that, I don't want to sow any confusion here, because I think we do do believe that not everybody is eligible, and not anybody that comes in off the street can can do this. But it did bring a little bit of, of... It was interesting to me to study it, how... In this case, and you can read it sometime, it said, I want the unclean to come, and if they don't take, if they don't take the Passover, they are to be excommunicated from the congregation. I think what this means, and I don't think we should be unclean when we take the Passover, that's not what I'm trying to say. But this was the people that were redeemed out of Egypt. And when you think about it, those people were in every kind of state. They hadn't taken the, the Passover. And take the burnt offering, but they came out of Egypt, and they begin to be purified. They begin to be pu- uh, uh, proved, proven by God. Well, I think I think the way this should relate to us is I think we should come to, to communion with a pure heart. But I think that the year in between, the six months in between, if we are keeping these sacrifices towards God up to date in our wilderness experience, as we live day to day, as we go out into the woods, into the orchards and our trucks, and we daily keep current with these types of these sacrifices, well, when it's time to come and observe the Passover, we will be ready. And I I believe that's what Christ really wanted us to do there when he brought this together. Now, just going back to Hebrews 10 there, and I think this kind of brings it into a new light for us. It says in Hebrews 10, by the, way, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering hath he perfected forever them that are sanctified i'm you know as i as I study this and read this, you know I think about uh, coming to Creston every six months driving up in the snow or the whatever i 'm really glad that the bishop doesn't have to come, and we, we go through five sacrifices i'm very thankful that that we can just reduce it to this. But it is still Jesus. It's still serious. It's what Jesus did for us. And when you read Hebrews 10, you can read that again sometime and see the plurality in the first part, the the plural sense of everything, the sacrifices, the offerings. And in the second part of Hebrews 10, it starts to use the singular, the one sacrifice, the one offering for sin. So this is what Christ did for us. And then Jesus said, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 22, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. This hand of God reaching out to redeem us, to make it possible for you and I to worship God in our, in our experience, in our lifetime. Let's just bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be here again. As we look at the Old Testament, Father, we know that there's many things there, laws and rules, regulations that we don't do today. But I pray, Father, that we would appreciate what you did on the cross. That this was not a a simple ordeal or just an act that uh, Christ could perform without any cost, but it was a true offering and a sacrifice for us. And uh, Father, I just pray that our response would be correct, that we would reach out to you, that we would offer in our own hearts a daily offering of sacrifice, um, repentance of sin, offerings of thanks and of peace. Pray, Father, that we would just give daily of our lives a complete surrender to you and the Bride of Christ. We thank you for this opportunity to observe the Passover, the death and the suffering of Christ, and to remember that He is the bread of life, the sustainer not only of physical life in our short time here on earth, but more importantly, our spiritual life as we live life and prepare for eternity. So I pray, Father, that that be in the forefront of our minds as we partake of this communion. In Christ's name I pray it. Amen. Okay, we are going to proceed with communion here, but um, I was informed that you did take the counsel of the church, that went good, but maybe there was, there was some that were not here for council service, and so we just want to take the time for whoever that would be. So, anybody on the men's side? Maybe we'll start with the men. I'm thankful to be here this morning, and I found a verse, uh, reading through my Bible earlier this summer, and it stuck with me, and it's um, 2 Corinthians 12. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm thankful for his grace this morning. I know I have a lot of work to do in my life, but that I have somewhere to turn to with my struggles, my temptations. I don't have to do it on my own. I'm also thankful for the brotherhood and for your prayers and support. That's my desire to do the same, is to support the church as I can. As far as old, I know, i at peace with God and my fellow man I look forward to communion. I give my life to the Lord earlier this week and feel that I'm at peace with God in the church, looking forward to taking communion.